Woke up quick at about noon. Here we are with the Tuesday, June 30th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling. Thank you so much for downloading, streaming, and thank you so much for listening. And I'm going to tell you, I got a. I'm looking at the rundown of the show in front of me here. And here's here's what I'm going to attempt to do because I feel like there is a lot of downer news. And we had this issue. I think it was like like last Wednesday or last Thursday where I felt like the show was overly negative. So what I'm going to attempt to do today is deliver what I believe is quite a bit of negative news. Just in maybe a more upbeat fashion? I don't know, man. I'm starting to feel like maybe this NBA thing isn't going to work out too well. And if the NBA doesn't work out, neither is Major League Baseball. And if Major League Baseball doesn't work out, I'm not really sure if the NFL is going to work out. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but remember how bad it was when the coronavirus started and everything got shut down back in the middle of March? It feels like it's about 10 times worse right now. Feels like. So we'll we'll lay out some of these stories, a whole lot of things happening in Brooklyn over the course of the last couple of days, specifically the Brooklyn Nets. We'll talk about that. There are people angry about NFL players hosting workouts, and I guess, given the state of the world, I, I, I guess you should be angry. Uh, so we'll touch on all of that. I uh, want to welcome you all in for listening. As always, if you're new to the show, appreciate you being here. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a rating, those are just the stars that you could access uh, right there. In if you just click on the podcast logo, you see all of the different episodes. If you scroll all the way down, and there's a whole bunch of episodes that you're going to have to scroll past probably. If you scroll past all of those, you'll see five stars. Uh, if you think we are worth that fifth one, Go ahead and hit that fifth one, man. We'd love that. If you don't, let us know what we got to do better. If you want to leave us a review as well, those go a really long way. We welcome everybody listening on Radio.com, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcast platform is. It doesn't really matter to us. We are just happy that you're here. Uh, we have tons more content and bonus podcasts over on Patreon.com slash Damian Bartling. You can check that out. Posted a new episode of Be Conscious called My Name is Elijah McClain. That was posted on Sunday afternoon. Posted a brand new episode of Relive as well. One that won't be available uh, on your normal podcast streams until July 8th. It posted last night and it's one of my favorite episodes. If not my favorite episode so far, it was certainly the most fun to write. It was certainly the most fun to go back and, well, relive. Uh, And it centers on the who's the third man storyline from the 1996 Bash at the Beach and the famous... Hulk Hogan heel turn and launch of the new world order. So that is available now for Patreon subscribers. Again, patreon.com slash Damian Barling. If you have no interest in extra content and all of that stuff, you could support the show. Patreon.com slash Damian Barling. Just show you love. That's all it is. Uh, Either way, man, we appreciate you so much. So let's get into this. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. He's diagnosed with uh, the coronavirus and It's serious enough to where he's not sure he's going to be able to participate when the season resumes in Orlando. Now, this is different for a number of reasons. Uh, I'm going to read a quote from Spencer Dinwiddie's statement. Over the past few months, I have been diligent about protecting myself and others from COVID-19 by following all designated protocol and quarantining. I was ready and prepared to rejoin my teammates. I flew private to return to New York, passed multiple COVID-19 tests, 
over my first several days in New York and was able to participate in a couple of practice, uh, a couple of practices within the first week. Originally, we were supposed to be one of the teams to enter into the Orlando bubble early, but training camp got switched back to New York, and unfortunately now, I am positive. Given that I have experienced symptoms, including fever and chest tightness, it is unclear on whether or not I'll be able to participate in Orlando. So there's a couple of things, Spencer Dinwiddie, for for those who haven't been following all of this stuff, uh, once you test positive, uh, you've got to kind of quarantine yourself and you'll be reevaluated uh, down the road. Once you're reevaluated, you've got to pass multiple. You have to pass multiple uh, COVID-19 tests. Also, the amount of time that you're quarantined depends on your whether you're whether you have symptoms or whether you're asymptomatic. The reason I read that portion of Spencer Dinwiddie's statement to you is there are two things in there that I think are really important. One when he arrived, he was negative. He took multiple tests and he was negative, which means he contacted the virus in some way, shape, or form after he rejoined his teammates. Now, it certainly doesn't mean that he got it at the training facility. It doesn't mean that he got it from one of his teammates. But after arriving back at Brooklyn, or back in Brooklyn, excuse me, he, he uh, contracted the virus. That's got to be a concern. That's got to be a major, major concern for the NBA because the idea was to the idea of having everybody go back to their home market was to okay how bad is it and how quickly can we get it under control now it appears what it's become at least based off yesterday and certainly this is a one day sample size but you know the only thing that moves faster than the news cycle is the coronavirus news cycle uh, what it's turned into for the NBA is okay Let's evaluate it. Oh, boy, it's starting to spread. And we'll get to DeAndre Jordan here uh, in just a few minutes. Another one of, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's uh, uh, teammates. Another thing worth pointing out. Unlike what we hear so frequently, you know, Kings fans, unlike what we heard about Buddy Heald, Jabari Parker, I don't ever, I don't know that we ever really got specifics on Alex Lynn, but unlike we hear you know, with so many athletes talking about asymptomatic, hey, I feel great, I don't feel, hey, I'm good to go, everything feels totally normal. Dinwiddie says, yeah, I've got a fever, I've got chest tightness, like, I, I don't feel good, like, there's there's something wrong. That's a, That's got to be an even greater concern for the NBA because, okay, now we're, you know, now we're venturing out of the, well, you've tested positive, but it doesn't appear that there's anything wrong, so just hang tight, and once you pass the test the next time, you're good to go. We've kind of ventured outside that into, hey, we've got a 20-something-year-old young man who is in the peak of athletic condition who's sick, and not just positive test sick, but, okay, he's experiencing symptoms, and this This is what the NBA has to be fearful of. They've got to be fearful of athletes, coaches becoming, you know, contacting this virus and suddenly becoming like ill, not asymptomatic, but ill. Like, oh man, there's something wrong in their greatest fear. The the, the craziest thing about all of this, and I know, you know, the counter arguments will be, well, you shouldn't drive a car or you shouldn't get on a plane or you should never go outside. 
the biggest fear that the NBA has in this is legitimately death. You know, people talk about the doom and gloom. Oh, the worst case scenario for the NBA is they got to shut this all down. No, the worst case for the NBA is somebody dies. Because that's, that's what we're looking at here. Whether it's a coach who is older or whether it's a player who appears to be Spencer Dinwiddie, young, athletic, great shape. Because remember the disease well, it doesn't affect young people. You guys got nothing to worry about. Remember, it's just a glorified flu. Oh, man, I'm, I, I think it's a little bit more than that. I'm not an expert. I'm certainly not Dr. Fauci. It's not like we're listening to him anyways. It certainly feels like this might be a little bit more serious than a flu. This is, you know, these, we're, we're starting to enter into, we're starting, we're not entering. We're tiptoeing around the perimeter of very dangerous ground for the National Basketball Association. And we're still a week, a little over, about a week, a little over a week away from them actually boarding a plane and heading to Orlando. And the number of which, you know, positive tests that they've had has gotten greater when it's supposed to be getting smaller. Let's talk about DeAndre Jordan here. He tested positive for the coronavirus, and he just said, screw it, I'm out. I'm not going to be a part of the restart in Orlando. Uh, Jordan tweeted, Found out last night and confirmed again today that I've tested positive for COVID while being back in market. As a result of this, I will not be in Orlando for the resumption of the season. And I don't I don't know that I mentioned this on the show. Wilson Chandler, Brooklyn Nets. He didn't test positive. He's opted out. He said, I'm good. I'm I'm staying with my family. Like I'm not doing this. I'm not putting myself at risk. I'm not putting my family at risk. I'm not going to be away from my family for God knows how long. So Wilson Chandler's out. Spencer Dinwiddie is out. DeAndre Jordan is out. Kevin Durant was never going to be there, and neither is Kyrie Irving. Five pretty important members of the Brooklyn Nets have all are, not, are, are, are all not going to be there for a variety of reasons. DeAndre Jordan, another player, who says, I contacted the virus after I got back to the market. So, if, if DeAndre Jordan and Spencer Dinwiddie showed up in New York or showed up in Brooklyn and they tested and they were negative, that would insinuate, or, or not insinuate, that would seem to state that uh, they were following protocols while away from home or maybe they just got lucky while they were at home and they had never contacted the virus. The second they get back to work, they test positive. And this was a concern with Brooklyn. Why Brooklyn wasn't one of the teams, why the uh, the Nets weren't with Toronto in terms of reporting to Orlando early is something I don't understand. New York has been a mess. Massachusetts has too. You could probably make the argument that Boston should be there as well. You could probably make an argument everybody should be there. But I... Again, we've we've been over this. Don't don't need to go back to it and beat it to death here. I, I I get why they didn't. You try to get a feel for, you try to get a feel for how many positives you have and whether you can, you know, isolate it and take care of it and reduce the number. But I feel like we got a number sixteen the other day, and now that number is getting larger, not smaller. 
Now, I, I, I get that the 16, they're the 16 that tested positive, doesn't mean that those 16 guys are still missing time. Some of them may have passed their back-to-back test and they're back on the court. Uh, some of them may be on the verge of taking their first or second test and they'll be back on the court soon, assuming, of course, they pass you know, favorably. I say pass, you know what I mean? They, they, they wind up negative. And, you know, I, I, I know it's not like a running total, but it's really problematic for the NBA that these players have come back to market because this is, this is why, right here, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, this is why they're testing players every other day. And maybe they're testing players more often. I know they're testing some people every other day. I know someone who's test, uh, uh, tested three times for the virus already in the last, you know, what are we at? We're at like a week, three times in the last week. And it's, it's going to be like that for the next, it's going to be like that for the next four, four months, three months for teams that are playing in the NBA finals. COVID testing every other week. Gosh, it's hard. Right now today, June 30th, can you envision the NBA Finals? Can you envision the NBA playoffs? And I'll go like to the most extreme. Right now, June 30th. Can you envision a basketball game one month from now on July 30th? Do you think the NBA season resumes? We've got baseball. We got players reporting to camp. Is it tomorrow? It's Thursday. We got players reporting to camp on Thursday. Not all players, as we'll get to here in a minute, but we've got players returning to camps. We got we got these little mini camps going on, and then the, the Major League Baseball season is going to get underway. You think so? And I'm not saying that in a way of, you think so? And then I'm going to give you like some 15-minute elaborate reason why it is or isn't going to happen. That's not the way we work here on this podcast. I'm legitimately asking you a question. Do you think this is going to happen? You could just blurt out the answer. You could text it to me if you want to, 916-888-5898. You know you can connect with me any way you want to, at Damian Barling across all social media platforms. But this is just a question for you to blurt out your answer as you're listening to this podcast. Because I'm seriously starting to wonder. I'm starting to wonder, really, because... The rate in which this virus seems to change, the rate in which it is spreading right now, seems to be at a significantly greater rate than it was back in March because I think everybody back in March was willing to quarantine and isolate and stay at home and do all of that stuff when it was like, okay, well, let's get this thing under control. Let's knock it out. Let's stay at home. Hell, the bosses have told us to work from home. Why not? Let's do this. Okay, we can make it. And then suddenly a month passes and it's like, hey, yo, where are we on this whole global pandemic thing? Are we we good yet? Because hair is looking a little rough. Got to get the beard lined up. Ladies, got to get the hair colored. Got to get the nails done. Another month goes by like, hey, man. All right. I've been homeschooling my kids for two weeks. How much longer are we going to do this? And then we start to hear about phases. Phase one, phase two. Phase three, the bars are open and everybody acted like an ass. All right, well, shut this shit down again. So phase three has been eliminated and we're back to to God knows what. Phase one or maybe a non-existent phase. I don't really know where we're at at this point. 
terms of what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. I know we're supposed to wear a mask, but many people aren't. And God bless the businesses who are saying, you can't come in unless you have a mask on. They're protecting their customers. I don't understand how you could be anti-mask. Like, just, hey, help us control this thing. And, and it's amazing because most of the people who are anti-mask, they all look the same. I know that is a super stereotypical thing to say. Let, let me rephrase that. The people on social media who say that, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask, they, they all kind of look the same. And we've all seen the meme with the, with the uh, I don't know if the meme is, is, a, is a proper term for what this is, but it's like the 20 avatars of the people who are against a certain thing and they all look exactly the same. They all got glasses on and goatees and like American flags somewhere in their, in their, uh, in their picture. It's like, just like, think about it. You've got to run to the store, right? You got to go get uh, bread and you got to get your, your filet for the night and, and, and you got to get some potatoes. Boom. You got to go get those three things. You can't put on a mask for the couple of minutes that you got to be in there. Or you got to do a full thing of grocery shopping and you got to get milk and you got to get everything that you got to get. It's like, well, what are we talking about? Like 60 minutes of your life to put on a mask and you can't do it. 60 minutes that could, well, God damn it. It's an, it's my American right. You're infringing on my rights as an American. God damn it. And I don't want to wear this mask. It's, I, 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 I assume, I assume that if I get sick, I can handle it. All right. Like, cool. But what if you get somebody else sick? And that's what I think so many people have failed to recognize here. It's not about you. About the people around you. But why in 2020 would we expect other people to show courtesy for the people around them? That's like a foreign subject. It's completely, that, that's almost out of line. Well, damn it, they should protect themselves. Well, yeah, but part of protecting themselves is like we, we've got to do this together. We really do, man. We have got to be in this thing together. The reason the curve flattened, the reason that California was so far ahead of other states, the reason that Sacramento had one of the best uh, uh, rates in terms of lack of COVID cases for major metropolitan areas is because we were listening. Nobody want to listen anymore. And I know it's hard. Because, you know, I was having this conversation uh, last night where someone said, well, you know what? The NBA just needs to shut it down and, and be ready for next season. Yeah, but the, the problem with that is there's no end date on any of this. People who think that the NBA should shut down until next season are failing to realize there might not be a next season. Because I, I could, I think I can safely assume that if Dr. Fauci or anyone that we would actually listen to who hasn't proved to be a giant ass over the course of the last four months or four years would come out and say, hey, we're going to have a vaccine in place, a widespread vaccine that's not going to cost $2,000 a vial. We're going to have a widespread vaccine that's going to be as readily available as these tests are as early as October as early as October, and we expect that we can get uh, people who want to participate in the vaccine and people who want to get this done. We have uh, the confidence that uh, we can get a large portion of the population tested by Thanksgiving or, or, or uh, vaccinated by Thanksgiving. Okay? I'm willing to bet 
Adam Silver and the Players Association would meet up. I might be even willing to bet to say that the good old boy owners of the NFL might get together and say, hey, maybe we should wait until December. Major League Baseball may just wash their hands and say, man, we missed we missed this one. We missed the season, but you know we'll be ready for next year. NHL, same thing. Major League Soccer, all of these different, you know, all these different leagues that have got started up. Hey, we're going to be ready to go. We think a large portion of the uh, uh, population will be vaccinated by November, and if you're a sports league, Christmas time, you could be ready to go. And let's say that that was announced in April or May or June or July. I, I don't know. I. Adam Silver and the Players Association, I think, would come together. I absolutely believe this and say, hey, let's put an end to this. Let's, let's, let's shut it down. Let's call it an offseason. And I, don't think, I think there are a lot of people who would be really unhappy with this. But they shut it down and come back. And, hey, when, when we're confident everything is going to be significantly safer, we'll be ready to go. Opening day, December 25th, we'll make opening day and Christmas day the same thing. It'll be spectacular. I think they would. But now we're operating off of this like indefinite timeline or infinite timeline. We don't know when this is going to end or if it's going to end. We've been told, we've been told a lot of things. We've been told that a second wave is going to hit in the fall. Second wave didn't wait till fall. As a matter of fact, the first wave didn't even end. So if you're telling me, it's going to get worse than it is right now. Man, come on, man. But we have no, we have no end date. So I don't fault the NBA for trying. Cause it's, cause I don't, I don't subscribe to the theory. We'll just wait till next season. What's going to be different in November. Think about where we were two weeks ago, two weeks ago, Friday, people were out yeah, we made it. We made it through COVID. We survived. We're partying. We're in old Sacramento and we're doing that that stupid bike thing where you drink and you pedal and you listen to music and you're like two inches away from each other and it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And then we're packing the bars and we're partying and we're not wearing masks and it's, it, was just, it was just like two weeks ago. And now it's all been shut down again. There was There was a lot of... Was it back in May, middle of May, there was a lot of optimism about the NBA and its return. Like, hey, you know, the curve is flattened. America done good. Maybe. All right. Remember that day? We talked about it on the podcast. New York. God, can you imagine that New York had the gall to say this? New York, Texas, Florida, they all said, Oh, we're going to be open for business for our sports leagues. We might even be able to fill up stadiums. We might even be able to fill up stadiums up to 50% capacity this calendar year. You got Arizona. Hey, fam, we're way ahead of you. We're already getting down there to business. We're talking about having our athletes come back. We're talking about opening up uh, that stadium, that big, beautiful University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale. We could open that up to what, maybe 50, 60% capacity? You got the jerk off at the University of Tennessee talking about, we're going to fill Neyland Stadium with 100,000 people. Yeah, man, you do that to watch the Tennessee Vols and their shitty-ass program play, good for you. That's called natural selection. You should just put a roof on Neyland Stadium and let nature do its course. 
talking about we coming back here and playing football in front of 100,000 people. Come on, man. Remember, they all said that on the same day, though. New York, California, and what did I just say? Florida. All said that on the same day. Wasn't by accident. Or it, was, it wasn't California. Sorry. It was, it was uh, Florida, Texas, and, and New York. It wasn't by accident. Oh, man. Those are, those are NFL hotbeds, and the owners were putting the pressure on them. Like, hey, uh, hey, Governor, let's talk. We've got, we've got some concerns here. and We want to make sure that... Can you imagine fo- July 27th, 28th, 29th? Teams will be in... Teams will be in training camp, right? That's what they're supposed to be. NFL says this is happening. Here is a horribly morbid question. Think about it, though. Does a professional athlete die this year, this calendar year, because of a league's push to return to return to play? If so, what's the most likely one? I've always said the it, I've my I've always said the most likely a- athlete to die in the middle of a contest is a football player, and I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that that would get the owner's attention. It would have to be, it would, it would legitimately have to be like a, like a Patrick Mahomes. It would have to be a Russell Wilson. It'd have to be uh, a, a Tom Brady, a player of that. Couldn't be, you know, the safety who earned his way on to the roster. Couldn't be that guy for there to be any change to football. Cause we, yeah, this, this goes back to, uh, was it, oh, gosh, I think Case Keenum was one week. I think it was Case Keenum. I know Tom Savage was one week, but these they were guys who were basically knocked unconscious during football games, propped up by their 400-pound offensive linemen, held, you know, it was like a scene out of a bad movie. You know, they're brought back to the line of scrimmage. Meanwhile, they're on the verge of falling face-first into the turf. Like, yeah, at some point. Some point, someone in the NFL is going to get killed, and you just got to wonder, you know, how they brush that under the under the rug. And they will, they could, if that were to ever happen. God forbid, if that were to ever happen. Now we're talking about a whole different type of thing. Now we're talking about because we've heard stories. I think Peyton Manning even told this story about trying to cheat the concussion test. Where they start with, you know, baseline questions, and you know the way that he would answer those would 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 skew the way like when he was when they were actually administering a test they would try to cheat a test and we've seen it you don't even got to cheat a test was it was it Russell Wilson that one time I say one time like it only ever happened once but I remember I'm almost positive it was it was Russell Wilson and they they bring out this big blue you know, the big, the big tent now. This is the big deal in the NFL. They bring this big tent up when they're evaluating somebody. And Russell goes to run into the tent. There's a turnover. And he immediately grabs his helmet, turns around, never gets evaluated, turns around. The, whoever the team employee is, whether it's, I don't know if it's a doctor, if it's a medical person, I don't know if it's an independent person. I don't know who he is, but he's the one holding the tent. Slaps Russell on the ass and says, go get him. I don't know that he says, go get him. I just know he slaps him on the ass as if he were to say, go get him, Russell. And he runs out there onto the field. He was just about to be evaluated. 
But then he saw that the ball was turned over, ran right out. No one stopped him. He just ran back out there. So most of the like concussion protocol is phony. I don't think there's a way you can't fake a COVID-19 test. You're either positive or you're not like it's can't fake it, but you could lie about it. Hey man, we got a, we got a Monday night game coming up here against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we're competing for it. We're the Atlanta Falcons. We're competing for Matt Ryan. You know, Hey, Hey coach GM owner, Matt Ryan. He, um, Got a bad result with his COVID test. Oh, oh no, that's terrible. Is his chest tight? No, no, he's asymptomatic, but he tested positive. Huh. Maybe he could test positive tomorrow? Then maybe we sit him out the rest of the week and give him back-to-back tests leading into Sunday? Think we could do that? Oh, we got a bye week next week. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lose that test, pal. Let's test them tomorrow. Any chance that's done? Will anybody put that scenario that I just laid out above the NFL? I don't know, man. I'm I'm just I'm starting to I'm starting to I was a month ago. What are we June? I you know, I lose concept of time. A little over a month ago, I was optimistic about the NBA's return. I thought, okay. This could work. I see. We, I certainly see why they're trying it, and I still see why they're trying it, and I still think they should try it. I'm all for it. Try it. See what, you know, try. But I'm not confident it's going to happen. That's kind of where, like, my mindset has changed. I'm open to them trying it. I'm not, like, all out on this, like, oh, they shouldn't do it. The risk is too high. I believe the risk is incredibly high, but I believe they should try it. If, if, if everybody is in agreement, meaning all of the players, the coaches, the organizations, and from what I hear and what I read, it certainly sounds like they are. Hey, go get it done. See what you could do. See if it works. If it doesn't, we call it. We get out of there. And hopefully we're calling it before any sort of casualty. Now, obviously, that is the most extreme situation. But as a league, as a business owner, or as the CEO of a business, as, as Adam Silver is, don't you have to operate under the worst case scenario? Don't you have to operate, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan, okay? Let's jump past everything else and go to the worst case scenario. What is the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario isn't the league being shut down again. The worst case scenario is, is someone contacting this virus while in Orlando like as it, it has to be a direct result of the NBA's return or perhaps in their home market, you know, on the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh test. I don't know how many they're going to get to before they leave. Probably three, four. Yeah. The each, I mean, I would think each player coach person associated with the NBA is probably going to get to about six or seven COVID tests before they leave for, for Orlando. But the worst case scenario, someone, you know, contacting this after being, you know, back in the market or, you know, perhaps even worse, being in Orlando and and dying from it, be it someone like Spencer Dinwiddie, who is, I mean, to you guys can certainly refresh my memory. 
I feel like he's the first athlete to say, yeah, like, like yeah, this sucks. Like, I, like, I'm dealing with symptoms here. Like, I've got chest tightness. I've got a fever. I know Mike Malone talked about it. Uh, I know uh, other, I think, coaches and people associated with sports have talked about it. But I, I don't know that a player, you know, a 20-something-year-old player has talked about, uh, being, you know, experiencing these types of symptoms after a positive test. So we're eight-ish, nine-ish days away from them leaving for Orlando. The next, I mean, and tell me, you know, in in 2020, doesn't nine days feel like an eternity away? I mean, in nine days, we'll look back and be like, man, it's it's July 7th. They're leaving for Orlando. We're only three weeks away from, from, from games. Hopefully, that's what we're saying. But right now, saying nine days away feels like an absolute eternity. Who knows what could happen in the next nine days? The NBA and the NBA Players Association are planning to paint Black Lives Matter on the court inside both sidelines in all three arenas that the league will use at the Walt Disney World Resort uh, when it resumes, if it resumes, on July 30th. Uh, the WNBA is also discussing painting Black Lives Matter on their courts when it begins their abbreviated season, also in Florida. Um, boy, this is going to piss some people off, aren't they? I, are, are there a lot of... I, there can't be... There can't be MAGA people who watch basketball, is there? Like, Do you think there is? I, I mean, I guess there is. Because Utah still exists, but... Well, no, I guess there is. That's not true. There are. There are Marga supporters. We see it at the Golden One Center. Are they really going to be mad because the court says Black Lives Matter? Are we still kind of in the... Do people still not get it? I mean, are there people... I saw... uh, Was it Bill Maher? Bill Maher was talking about a particular guy in Sacramento who used the phrase all lives matter and oh, we could have taught him. He could have learned. See, this this is the problem when... People outside of your market start to talk about things in your market and you look at them and you've got to shake your head like, come on, fam. He could have learned. You're talking about someone. You're tra- Are you legitimately trying to tell me that someone who writes all lives matter, every single one of them, are you legitimately telling me someone who replies to a Black Lives Matter post with all lives matter, are you legitimately telling me someone associated with a business says, I will not support this business because they say black lives matter when it's all lives matter. Are you legitimately telling me after everything that we have gone through, they still don't know why that's a problem. When people are using the, you know, the examples of the, the house is on fire, you still don't get it. Because if you're changing, think, think, think about what black lives matter over the course of the last several years have been changed to it's been changed to all lives matter huh all right oh i love i love this one and we we love to pretend that this isn't you know racially charged too but blue lives matter oh i see so blue lives matter all lives matter your issue is with the word black that's the problem Because you have no problem screaming about blue lives, whatever the fuck a blue life is. But you have no problem with that one. 
but I'm starting to, okay, I think I got this figured out. It's not the lives matter part. It's which ones. Do they really, but do they really watch the NBA? Like, I, I don't know. I guess they do. Again, I'm thinking about the Golden One Center and the jerk-offs in the front row. I'm thinking about what Utah looks like. There's no way that those... You know, Mitt Romney got like the biggest standing ovation I've ever seen in Utah before. Utah is a fascinating television experience. When you're watching a Utah Jazz game, it is, it's really fascinating to see shots of the crowd because it's just... It's different. There is literally no crowd in the NBA that looks like the one in Utah. It's fascinating. I don't know why. I just find every time I'm watching Utah play in Utah, I'm looking at it like, wow, look at this. I think you know what I'm talking about. I hope you're not going to make me say it. I will because it's a podcast. I'm not like they're all white. It's just a sea of white people. You can spot like a NBA with the NBA. That's not normal. Athletes have done a really good job at exhibiting their power, particularly in the NBA. Or, or, or maybe exhibiting their power is, is, is the wrong, at least when it comes to the NBA. Maybe that's not the right way of phrasing it. Maybe what they have shown is how to work in concert with, with the league and how to, like, hey, you want us to return. Don't get us wrong. We want to return and play. We do believe it's in the... It's in the if it works out, it's in the best interest of the league, and we understand that. And hell, we want to go win a championship. We know, but we have some other concerns that I think we should address here. And that's what they were able to do. That's what I was talking about when Kyrie was saying, "Hey, you know, this could really stall the movement." I like, hey man, I I think you're wrong. I I think you have the ability to 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 you know really be in front of people a big audience who is desperate for sports to return. I don't know. I keep thinking like, was someone really not watch a basketball game because the court said black lives matter? And I, yeah. Cause I know I wouldn't watch a football game if the field said make America great again. So I, I get it. I get why I don't get how you don't understand what black lives matter means yet. But if it offends you, it one. It says a lot about you, but two, yeah, I would do the same. Yeah, put in a put 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 MAGA on on a field. Yeah, like yeah, like we already know MAGA lives in the suites. We know that MAGA lives in the ownership box. But you're gonna put that stuff out there for me to have to see on the field? I'd, I'd walk away. I, I I get it. Again, I don't get how you don't understand what Black Lives Matter means yet. But if you're entrenched in that opinion, again. It says a lot about you, but I'm 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 proud of I'm I'm a pr- I'm proud of what the NBA and the WNBA are. Um, I think those uh, the guys who lead the charge, the guys like LeBron James, and Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook, and you know I, those guys really you know lead the charge when it matters the most. There are you know there's a ton of other players who I think Matt Barnes. I think Matt Barnes has done a, has had a fantastic post basketball career in that his is it uh, oh all the smoke almost called it up and smoke all smoke although the smoke with um Stephen Jackson is a great podcast 
Like it, it is legitimately a really, really great podcast. Like those, those guys are great interviewers. They're va- they, 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 you know, the interviews laid out in conversation form, but they know where they're going. A lot of times when you get in anyone who's ever listened to like a wrestling podcast knows this, there, there are a couple of guys who are really, who are athletes who are really good at interviews. Matt Barnes and Matt Barnes is one because I think Matt Barnes kind of guides the conversation and Steven Jackson, you know, picks pieces up. But there's obviously a, a layout. There's obviously a direction that they're going. They know where they're going to go. It's not just let's sit down and talk and, you know, fill up an hour, hour 15, hour 30 minutes. There's a direction there. And I think Matt Barnes has gotten really, really good at that. The other one is J.J. Reddick. J.J. Reddick is, is, a, is a fantastic host. He's going to be an incredible television personality should he ever decide to do that. And I can't imagine that he wouldn't unless he wants to, you know, be in the league office or he wants to, you know, be in a, a, a team's front office or on the sidelines or whatever. But if he wanted to do TV, he could do it in a heartbeat. And he could probably do television far outside the realms of basketball. He's one of those guys who's really good. Like Chris Jericho, if you listen to wrestling podcasts, no podcast touches Chris Jericho's. Chris Jericho, I feel like Chris Jericho does everything great. He doesn't do anything good. It's all... like. He's a great interviewer. He's a great host. He's great on television. He's great on radio. Like he's, there are just some people who have a knack for communicating. And I think Matt Barnes is one of those. Uh, and he has been a great, he's been a great voice, as we've seen here in, in, in Sacramento. He's been a great voice here uh, in this movement. And I think this is an area in which the NBA really excels over the other sports leagues. The NFL, they believe, they want you to believe that they're keeping politics out of their sport. But they only do that when it's convenient for them. By the way, Black Lives Matter isn't political. But they don't want, they don't want anything controversial involved in their sport. As long as it's not something that makes them uncomfortable, they don't want anything. Because remember, well, we're not going to mix politics and football. Uh, damn it, keep politics out of my football. You know who said that? John Elway. John Elway said that publicly. Right before he lied about Colin Kaepernick and said, well, Colin Kaepernick had a chance to be here. Well, actually, that's not true. He didn't lie about Colin Kaepernick. He presented a situation about Colin Kaepernick completely out of context that was two years old. And he also failed to mention he asked him to cut his pay by about 70%. Well, he had a chance to be here. He could have been a member of the Brooklyn or what 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 team does he uh, the Broncos. He could have been a member of the Broncos and we just uh he chose not to, so we moved on. Like, oh, you're gonna put that out there, huh? I don't want politics in my football. Except when he's sending a letter of support to a Republican candidate on Denver Broncos letterhead from the desk of John Elway, then, then it's not so bad. Then it's not so bad to have politics in my football. But uh, I'm going to tie all these stories together and say I don't know that we're going to see those Black Lives Matter courts in, uh, in Florida. I hope we do. I just, man, that first game is one month from today, and it feels like it's an eternity away, an absolute eternity uh, Major League Baseball, they're set to they're set to be together. In the next couple of days, reports camp July first. That's thir- uh, today's Tuesday. That's Thursday, and um, 
Well, we've already got some names opting out. Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman have said, oh, I'm not good. I'm not good with this. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, he has a, a mother that has multiple sclerosis and explained um, he's just, he's not, he's not going to do this. He's not going to be a part of it. Um, players who are medically determined to be high risk have the option to sit out and still receive salary and service time. Um, if a player with a high-risk family member sits out, that has yet to be determined. Uh, teams are going to handle those decisions. So Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, those are just a couple of Mike Leak is another one. There are, there are I, you know, it, it's going to be, you know, I said this about the NBA. We'll see over the course of the next couple of days, this pertains to Major League Baseball, who decides, you know, maybe they don't want to, you know, be a part of this abbreviated season. I do wonder if, Players get to Orlando and decide, all right, I don't want to do this because they're going to be two weeks in and games still won't have started. They, games don't start till over three weeks in. And at that point, they've already been quarantined. They've already been isolated. Many of them may have already been quarantined and isolated from their families. Their families may be in a different location that's not their, their basketball market. That's got to be tough for them. And I, I mean, I don't care how much money you make. That's got to be difficult. Uh, I saw that Ava DuVernay is going to do a Colin Kaepernick documentary, a six-part series. I thought, hey, okay, it's called Colin in Black and White, and it will explore the quarterback's high school years. Huh. Okay, I, I wasn't expecting this. It says it will explore the quarterback's high school years, attempting to show the experiences and insight that led to his activism. Okay. This is a. I'm interested in this because it's a story I don't know. And that's one thing that I really like getting from documentaries is I like learning from them. I'm I'm not familiar with Cap's high school experience. I'm not uh, familiar with how it led uh, to his activism. Uh, Kaepernick uh, will appear as a narrator. So that's that's cool. Who's going to get the first Cap interview? Is Cap even going to do an interview? Ever. And if he does, who gets it? Is it Oprah? I don't know. Uh, the press release says, too often we see race and black stories portrayed through a white lens. We seek to give new perspective to the different realities that black people face. We explore the racial conflicts I faced as an adopted black man in a white community during my high school years. It's an honor to bring these stories to life in collaboration with Ava for the world to see. All right. I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Michael Starberry is going to be uh, a writer in this series. Uh, Ava and Starberry work together on the Netflix miniseries When They See Us. So if you were able to stomach that series about the Central Park Five case... Uh, it's the same team that is putting together uh, this story on Colin Kaepernick. Here's a fun, lighthearted story. At least it is to me. A mayor of an Alabama town resigned. He turned in his resignation letter after he criticized the Alabama football team and its support of Black Lives Matter. He wrote on Facebook, and it said there's several spelling errors in this, but he wrote on Facebook, I got several Alabama pictures for sale. 
Nick Saban and the Tide is done, in my opinion. I'll post them tomorrow. When one person commented, I think you may be right. They haven't looked as good as the last couple of years. The former mayor Chambers now replied, I'm not getting rid of them because how they've performed. Their sorry-ass political views is why they're getting out of my house. When you put Black Lives Matter before all lives, they can kiss my ass. <laughs> this is funny. And he turned in his letter of resignation. Imagine, like, you hate black people that much. Did you give up your job as a mayor? Like, ah, I don't want to do this. You're so mad at the Crimson Tide because you have convinced yourselves that saying Black Lives Matter is political. Now, I'm not saying that politicians haven't adopted it. That's not new. Politicians have been adopting stuff. They've been adopting trends for years. It's why it's why Donald Trump is tweeting about white power. Because his no, he knows as much as he's driven this country into the ground, as much as he is responsible for the deaths of so many people in 2020, he knows he could tweet white power and, oh, damn it. I I don't know. I know he's killing people, but God damn it. He hates Black Lives Matter as much as I do. Sound strategy. But they have, they have, meaning politicians, have adopted this to use it in their race for elections. When in actuality, there's nothing political about saying, hey, could you guys stop killing black people? Hey, police officers, could you, could you stop? Remember, it's not white police officers. It is all police officers. The black officer, one of the black officers that killed Stephon Clark, he was black. Wasn't one of the black officers in um in Atlanta, or wasn't one of the officers in Atlanta black? Wasn't it, or maybe 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 I'm thinking of a different case, a very recent one. But I know some people still won't get it. Hey, here's a quick follow up. Someone texted yesterday. How come you didn't bring up the other New England Patriots story? <laughs> That's what the text said. I was like, well, the Patriots got punished for cheating. Like it's like clockwork. Like what do you want to what, what do you want to talk about at this point? Patriots were fined $1.1 million. Okay, they they lost a third-round pick. I guess that's substantial, but I forgot about this, and I think that's the way the NBA operates. How spectacular of the New England Patriots. They knew that the fine, first of all, it's spectacular that it was announced on a Sunday afternoon. Actually, on the, on the East Coast, it was announced on a Sunday night. But the Patriots knew that the punishment for this their latest their latest videotaping stunt. I, I, you guys might not even remember this. It was it feels like it was an eternity ago. Remember the television production crews were were filming a Bengals and, and Browns job and they got uh, a game and they got caught. And you there's video of the NFL security approaching them. And the guy goes, oh, we'll just delete it. We'll, we'll just delete it right now. We didn't know we could delete it right now. And the guy goes, no, nah, it's too late for that, fella. So I guess that guy has been banned or something. I, I don't know. Like, who? Like it doesn't even be. It's clockwork at this point. It doesn't even matter. The Patriots cheat. They're slapped on the wrist. We move along. Lather, rinse, repeat. Doesn't matter if it's Spygate, Deflategate. 
do your job gate, on the Cincinnati gate, uh, run up the score gate. I don't know. You could think of a million things. It, it, it none of none of it matters. It, the, the 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 Patriots train just keeps moving. So we know that we're gonna get announced. You know what? Let's take the attention off of this punishment and let's go sign Cam Newton. Shoot, with it, I'll take it because, like I said, said yesterday, unapologetically, I'm a Cam fan and I want this to work for him. I don't care about the Patriots organization. I don't care about oh, but their owner. Their owner went into a massage parlor that wasn't exactly a massage parlor. I just named all of this stuff about the Patriots and didn't even name that. Like that's how play like the that's how played out all of this is. Like just none of it matters. It just keeps moving. There'll be another indiscretion at some point, I'm sure, before Bill Belichick's time is over, and it'll just roll along, drag out for two, three, four years, and we'll go from there. But brilliant of the Patriots to sign Cam Newton on this day because it sounded like, from from the variety of reports that were out yesterday, it sounded like they intended to sign Cam for a while. Perhaps they just held off until uh, this announcement was coming out or perhaps uh, it's just one magical coincidence in New England Patriots land. Because there weren't a lot of people, including me, talking about the punishment. Now, maybe a lot of other people just took it in stride like I did. Like, it, like who cares? It's, it's just accepted in the NFL that the Patriots cheat. Okay, they were fined a million dollars. Ooh. Whoa. Okay. They lost the third-round pick. Great. Watch Bill Belichick turn that lost third-round pick into, like, seven of them. He's somehow going to accumulate seven third-round picks by the next draft. This is the 2021 draft. I don't know, man. But I love y'all. I appreciate y'all for, for being here. I f- today wasn't negative, right? It was concerning. That's what today's show was. It was concerning. Concerned about uh, well, the state of sports. Concerned by state of the world. If you're going out, I know it's easy for me to say. Don't, don't, don't think that that's lost on me. I do all of my work at home. I mean, virtually all of it. So I recognize it's easy for me to say when I go out. I had to drop some. I said the first round of more than a podcast t-shirts went out yesterday. I had to run to the to the little mail place. Threw my mask on. 15 minutes later, back in the car, back at the house, mask off, good to go. I understand it's easy for me to say this. But if you got to go out, just put your mask on. It's just for a couple of minutes. Or for what for for whatever you're doing. You're at the grocery store, you're shopping whatever, just throw your mask on, you'll be good. It's, no one is infringing on your rights. You're protecting people. And you're making it more likely that football, basketball, and baseball will return. Do your job. As I'm staring at that line of the Patriots web series right in front of me. That's your job. To wear a mask. And to be safe. And to protect the people around you. And it's your job to be back here tomorrow with the podcast with Damian Barling.